Welcome to the Porch here on Firefall Talk Radio. I'm Richard Grund. This is where we get back to basics, examining the Word of God, focusing on the Book of Acts Church. The online Bible study for the Porch was created to take a deeper look at how the early church served the Lord so that we can copy their example. And in doing so, we saw the priesthood of the believer in the world shaking influence the early church had. We do that by digging deeper into Scripture finding what it means, what the Lord intended. And I believe in the process we find the church that he wanted and not the one that man created. We believe the church age is still in effect. The day of Pentecost is ongoing. The fire still falls. The Porch is an outreach of Solomon's Porch, Inc. Go on org, or you can write us at firefalltalkradio.com. Either way, we'll get back to you. If you'd like to support us, there are ways to do that at the bottom of FirefallTalkRadio.com. We appreciate those of you that do support us. Can't do this without you. By now, you should have bookmarked the Spreaker site at Firefall Talk Radio. It is the main streaming podcasting site, although we still have the Blog Talk Radio account. I will probably end that by the end of the year. They had made an offer to charge me only half for a year so that I would stay on board, and they never honored it. We're also found on iTunes, iHeartRadio, as well as Spotify. The editing of the video for the C Conference will finally begin this week. After getting the laptop fixed, (coughs) excuse me, we had a problem with the hard drive the footage was on, so... uh, We had to get another hard drive and get the footage shipped to me again, and we received it, and it's good to go, so I will start working on that. I'll let you know when it's posted. If you attended, you'll get an automatic link to the video uh, teaching as well as the question and answers. As for everyone else, I have not decided as yet to what I will be doing in that regard. I'm asking you to believe with me for all the needs to be met for Firefall and everything we need to get the job done, including finishing the documentary, having the right equipment, having the right laptop. All this laptop has served me well. It really can handle the load of film production and editing and everything that goes with it. So I am believing that the Lord is releasing the provisions to do that. So if you'll agree with me, that'd be, that would be great. See, I praise the Lord for everything that I have. Regardless of whether it's working right or not, if it's what he's given to me, then it's what I'm going to use. So I praise him. I praise him for everything, for this home, um, for my my lovely wife, my family, my sons, daughter-in-law, grandsons, our furry kids, um, all the possessions, all the technology, all the equipment, this room, everything that I have is from him, including my salvation. That, without that... I have none of the other things. I am praising him that he allows me to work this ministry for him. It is his ministry. You'll never see my name on it. I praise him for the dreams and the visions that he is fulfilling. You know, there is no time in the spirit realm. He can give you a a confirmed word of prophecy, but there is no time or date stamp in the lower right-hand corner. It will happen in the fullness of time, and I believe that we have reached that time because we are living in prophetic times. So I praise him for being in America where we have the freedom to do things like this, to come together the way we did in Orlando a couple of weeks ago. 
that the signs are all there, that he is getting ready to return. Some of those signs aren't real good. We're going to be talking about one of them tonight. But I encourage you to begin to praise him and get ready for him. The king is coming. So that means we got to pray. We've got to pray for the Middle East and Israel and the peace of Jerusalem. We've got to pray for our Jewish brothers and sisters, for the fatherless, the widows, the innocents, the victims of injustice in and out of the womb. I mean, we, we live in some really dark times, and it's going to get worse, which means we need to shine brighter, and we need to do what he told us to do. You know, our brothers and sisters around the world are being slaughtered and persecuted for their faith. Uh, Jewish Brothers and sisters, the anti-Semitism in Europe and even here in America is on the rise. And though they make a big deal out of it, the politicians do and the news media do, but they really don't do anything about it. So make sure you're praying for them. Make sure you're praying for the babies and the children that are being slaughtered in the womb. Pray for the victims of sex trafficking and human trafficking that's really in the news right now. It's a bigger, deeper, darker scourge than we knew. I'm believing and praying for divine wholeness, health, and continued healing as we get back to our divine design. Everyone that's sick right now, in the name of Yeshua HaMashiach, be healed. I pray for a hedge of protection around you, Psalm 91 covering. For inspiration, I pray for the remnant to wake up, rise up, answer the call to action. If you've been blessed, be a blessing. We're praying and believing that the flood of blessings is beginning. The first couple of drops are beginning to fall, and after that will be a torrential rain of blessing. So we would prosper in accordance with his word to fulfill his needs in the kingdom of God, because that's what it's for. Continue to pray for my wife, Deb, here in Orlando for healing, uh, renewal in her body, for God to fix what needs to be fixed, and favor in an ongoing legal matter that we have. Stacy in Texas, before she brings the need, she wants to share her heart. She goes, thank you for my spiritual family and for everything you've given me. Please deliver my husband and my family. May they come to know you as I know you, through mercy and grace, not works of the flesh. Protect my children, heal their little hearts. May they come to know you as I do, as my Abba. Please bless and protect my friend Kim and her family. Bless and protect the Porch family and SRT. May they be given the provisions required to complete the mission you have for them. Says, I really need a job. It's hard to see past what I think will be perfect for me and my kids. I know you have a plan. Please guide me through this process. Help me stay focused on you and your perfect will for my life. You are my heart and my hope in Jesus' name. Kim in Fort Mitchell also starts off with praise and thanks. She says, I feel a much deeper connection to God since I left Orlando. It's hard to explain. It's the Holy Spirit guiding me throughout my day. It's a strong feeling guiding me towards where he wants me to go and what places he wants me to avoid. I wouldn't have that if Yeshua didn't do what he did. I praise you, Father, for saving my soul, for making me not want to drink when the enemy attacks. Speaking of that, we had another snake yesterday. She means literal slithering ones. It was two hours of chasing it in the blazing heat until we got it. It was right there. He, as in the Lord, was protecting my daughter, London, Bruno, and I. Bruno was trying to kill it, but it kept getting away, hiding behind the pool. Nobody got bit or hurt, thank God. Has to be a supernatural reason why snakes keep showing up in my yard. None of my neighbors have these problems. 
says she's starting a new job Monday morning and feels so humble and grateful. Thank you, everyone who prayed with me. says, I have another praise report. God made a divine connection between a college scholarship recruiter and her son, Maurice. Maurice has been playing soccer all his life, and a soccer scholarship is what I've been praying for. Well, tonight at 6.30, the recruiter is coming to our house for his final interview. Please pray with me for this opportunity. Father, I'm asking you to protect my children, my dog Bruno. Please keep my friend Stacy safe. Continue to give her courage. Bless the porch families. Keep us safe and protected. Deliver us. Save souls. Help us to shine your light to guide us, to guide all towards you in Jesus' name. Well, Lord, you know the needs that have been presented. You know the ones that are being presented as I've been praying as they listen, wherever they are. You know them before we even say them. I'm asking right now the manifestation of the answers of those prayer would begin to appear. That your promises are yea and amen and that you are as good as your word. So I say right now in the name of Yeshua, so let it be in accordance with your word, Lord, that their desires that line up with your will are done. That you are the great I am. You are our Abba Father and we love you. Boy, do we love you. We thank you. We thank you for Yeshua. We thank you for him paying our price for our sins on the cross. It was our debt, not his. And yet, you had it paid for us. Thank you. Thank you for saving us. Thank you for giving back the things that we discarded, the families that we lost. I continue to believe that there are family members out there that are in the darkness. You're going to guide them home. Lord, we love you and we thank you for what you've done and what you're doing. We praise you and we give you all the honor, the glory, and the praise. You are the King of kings and the Lord of lords, and there is none like you. We ask right now that you be glorified in all that we say and do, especially here at this Bible study, but in the lives of everyone who's listening, and that your Holy Spirit, your Ruach HaKodesh, will begin to move on them and in them and through them, that you would change them heart, mind, body, soul, and spirit, that you would use them to light a path for those lost in the darkness to find their way home. We thank you, Lord, that we're going to see you soon. But until then, we thank you for what we're doing in the name above all names. And I pray this and I believe this in Jesus' name. Amen. These lessons are proprietary information except where noted the information comes from outside sources. The combination of that information, the matter presented, is exclusive, cannot be repeated or used without permission. The date of this broadcast serves as the registered date of the following information. Now, if you were with us last week or you listened, we talked about holding on. And I read Psalm 62 to you. I'm going to read the amplified version, verses 1 through 8. For God alone my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He only is my rock and my salvation, my defense and my fortress. I shall not be greatly moved. How long will you set upon a man that you may slay him, all of you, like a leaning wall, like a tottering fence, 
They only consult to cast him down from his height to dishonor him. They delight in lies. They bless with their mouths, but they curse inwardly. Selah. Pause and calmly think of that. My soul wait only upon God and silently submit to him and throw my hope and my expectation are from him. He only is my rock and my salvation. He is my defense, my fortress. I shall not be moved. With God rest my salvation and my glory. He is my rock of unyielding strength and in impenetrable hardness. My refuge is in God. Trust in, lean on, rely on, and have confidence in him at all times, you people. Pour out your hearts before him. God is a refuge for us, a fortress and high tower. That word selah means pause and calmly think about it. If you would read Psalm 62 to yourself out loud, and then when you got to the word selah, which is actually a musical pause, it's a notation because this was sung to music, to take a pause, you can take a mental pause to take in what you just said and what you just heard yourself say. Listen to the words and do what David says as you pray. Open your hearts. Trust in David in this. You know, he had a testimony to the reliability that this was the truth. I shall not be moved. That was a choice and a declaration. But what happens when people let go of the anchor that holds them? The anchor will never fail or slip loose. It has to be released for the boat to drift. The term is to slip anchor. The title of this Bible study is Slipped Anchor. It means that the anchor chain and anchor are released from the winch that raises it and lowers it. Therefore, the anchor is literally abandoned. And the, and the reason that they would possibly do this is rather than risk being caught by weighing anchor, they slip the anchor, they let it completely go, they float free thinking that they'll escape the storm that way. But that's not what the Word tells us to do. Hebrews 2.1, we must listen very carefully to the truth we have heard, or we may drift away from it. Well, folks, people are drifting away from the truth. Back on July 27th in the news, if you follow Christian news or things of that sort, Joshua Harris, who's the author of a best-selling book called I Kissed Dating Goodbye, announced on his Instagram post that he's no longer a Christian. And that came just weeks after he announced that he and his wife, Shannon, was separating after 20 years of marriage, but would, quote, remain friends to raise their three children together. In that post, Harris commented on the, resp the responses he received about his pending divorce and dropped another shocking announcement, revealing that he is falling away from the faith and no longer identifies as a Christian. Explaining his decision on Instagram, this is what Joshua Harris said. The information that was left out of our announcement is that I have undergone a massive shift in regard to my faith in Jesus. The popular phrase for this is deconstruction. The biblical phrase is falling away. By all the measurements that I have for defining a Christian, 
I am not a Christian. Many t- people tell me that there is a different way to practice faith, and I want to be remain open to this, but I'm not there now. I, I, I don't know what who, who's telling them what, that there's a different way to practice their faith, but that's part of the problem, getting ahead of myself here. Harris served as the senior pastor of Covenant Life Church, a megachurch in Gaithersburg, Maryland. He stepped down from that position in 2014 after a church volunteer was convicted of child sex abuse, and then he resigned from his position at the Reform Ministry, the Gospel Coalition. This is nothing new. A.W. Tozer makes a point in his book, Worship, about the falling away of the church. He goes on to explain that each generation sets the stage for its successor. And if we allow a false doctrine behind the walls of the church, it will grow and begin to destroy us from the inside out. The emergent church 10 years years ago led to progressive Christianity that is deliberately inspiring people to walk away from their faith. Let's get real. This was prophesied and we're there. And the church, the body of Messiah, is at a pivotal point in history and we've got to wake up. Some say, what would cause this? Well, there's a possibility that this is a fallout from my generation, the baby boomer generation. We were a generation of rebels rebelling against authority and against traditions. Yes, we had our moments of the Jesus freak movement and other things spiritually, but for the most part, baby boomers embraced a postmodernism, a breaking away from traditions and old values, and have created a younger generation that's taking an even further step away from those traditions and values. But this isn't a surprise. 1 Peter 4.17, For the time has come for judgment to begin at the house of God. And if it begins with us first, what will be the end of those who do not obey the gospel of God? The Israelites mixed in idol worship while they were slipping away from the values and traditions of their fathers. The church has mixed in idol worship with progressive Christian doctrine progressing past the Bible into a place of worldliness. By changing the word, they are running further away from the God of the word than those who just outright denounce their faith. Both are going in the wrong direction. Well, this week we had another person. See, this has happened periodically, but this is the first time I've seen two high-profile people do it. Hillsong worship leader Marty Sampson announced he's, quote, losing his faith in a since-deleted Instagram post. And he says he has struggles with science and the contradictions in the Bible. And this, this is a direct quote from him. Time for some real talk. I'm genuinely losing my faith. And it doesn't bother me. Like, what bothers me now is nothing. I'm so happy now, so at peace with the world. I'm sorry, Marty, there's a problem. It's crazy. This is a soapbox moment, so here I go. How many preachers fall? Many. No one talks about it. How many miracles happen? Not many. No one talks about it. 
Why is the Bible full of contradictions? No one talks about it. How can God be love yet send four billion people to a place all because they don't believe? No one talks about it. Christians can be the most judgmental people on the planet. They can also be some of the most beautiful and loving people. But it's not for me. I'm not in anymore. He continued by saying he only wants to know the truth and that Christianity has become to him like, quote, another religion at this point. I want genuine truth, not just the I-just-believe-it kind of truth. Science keeps piercing the truth of every religion. Lots of things help people change their life, not just one version of God. Got so much more to say, but for me, I'm keeping it real. Unfollow if you want. I've never been about living my life for others. All I know is what's true to me right now, and Christianity just seems like another religion at this point. Hillsong could not be reached for a comment on what he said. Well, some other people had some things to say, and I'm going to help them too. Rob Dreyer, author of The Benedict Option, said Hillsong's Marty Sampson left Christianity. But what he said when he announced his departure suggests that he was badly catechized and badly formed, meaning he was badly taught. This is not just a pop evangelicalism moment, but something all Christians today have to face. Ken Ham of Answers in Genesis tweeted, When Bible passages are properly understood, there are no contradictions. The sad situation about this person is a reminder the church and parents need to teach apologetics to counter today's attacks on God's words, he said. Now, he clarified in his following post that he hadn't renounced his Christianity as yet, but he was nevertheless on shaky ground. Dr. Michael Brown gave what I believe to be the best response in a Christian post op-ed. This is what he said. A little long. Bear with me. What I find most distressing is not him turning from his faith. People fall away all the time, and there are warnings throughout the New Testament about the dangers of apostasy. It is tragic to behold, but not a total surprise. What is surprising is that Marty seems to feel that, quote, no one is talking about the challenges to Christian faith. Quote, no one is discussing difficult intellectual issues. Quote, no one is engaging the apparent contradictions or interpretive problems in the Bible. I can only ask, with sadness rather than condemnation, Marty, what Christian world have you been living in? I have no idea if Marty's simply passing through a difficult stretch and will be soon strong in the Lord of this reflects deeper issues in his spiritual foundation. And having never studied Hillsong in any depth, I can't say these problems are endemic to the spiritual culture. Of course you could, Dr. Brown, you just didn't. But what I fear is that Marty's shocking lack of awareness of the massive array of solid apologetics material is not his alone. In other words, there are probably plenty of other believers who find no outlets for their questions and concerns, leading to apostasy or deep secret doubt rather than to an intellectually sound, vibrant faith. Well, let's be real, folks. Apostasy is and has always been a real and present danger to the body of Messiah. Apostasy is inevitable. Throughout history, we are just three generations away from apostasy like Israel after the death of Joshua. Or so much quicker like the church of Galatia who drifted quick within one generation. Silence turns to apathy. Apathy inspires a new supposed revelation and direction away from the truth. 
one of the big problems we're going to I'm going to talk a little bit about this give you the overview and then we're going to get into it deeper over the next week or so but the problem is if you love somebody you don't do what this man's talking about second peter chapter 2 and jude's only chapter are pretty much parallel in their topics and teaching and comments on apostasy while peter uses the future tense in referring to the arrival of apostates, saying that there will also be false teachers among his readers. Verse 1, Jude uses the past tense, saying, quote, certain people have crept in, thus confirming that the very people Peter had warned about had arrived on the scene by the time Jude wrote his letter. But there is good news. The good news is no one has to be a part of apostasy. No one has to fall away. If you're alert to it and you recognize the signs of its impending arrival, you can deal with it. But if you're rooted and grounded in love and in him, I don't believe you're going to fall to it. The apostasy of both individuals and groups is inevitable from both biblical and uninspired history. But we're going to stay with the biblical one. The Bible makes it clear in many statements and examples, that this is the case. Apostasy, apostasia in the Greek, is a defection or a revolt. It is a formal disaffiliation from, abandonment of, or renunciation of a religion by a person. It's also defined within the broader context of embracing an opinion that is contrary to one's previous religious beliefs. Somebody who participates in apostasy and comes into agreement with it is known as apostate. It's the an- it's the antonym of conversion. It's de-conversion. The Dictionary of Biblical Imagery states that there are four distinct images in Scripture of the concept of apostasy, and all connote an, unint- uh, all connote an intentional defection from the faith. The four images are rebellion, backsliding or turning away, falling away, and adultery. The Lord warned about it. The apostles wrote about it. In the 1500s, John Calvin tried to sidestep the issue with a once-saved-always-saved mantra. The Bible indicates otherwise, or if not, that not everyone who thinks they're saved are Matthew chapter 7, many will come to me and say, Lord, Lord. And then he goes on to explain what's going to happen to them. Case in point, we've talked about Simon Magus in Act 8. It's always a threat, and here's why. We live in a fallen world. We live in a world where Satan, Hasatan, the adversary, has always got his hands in the mix and his dripping, lying words in people's ears. You want to know how quick it can be? In 52 AD, Paul made his third missionary journey to Ephesus, and he built a strong, thriving church that started with the gospel and a dozen men. It was a strategic commercial center and a great seaport, and that's why Paul invested three years to establish that church in Ephesus and the cities in the surrounding province. Four decades later, 96 A.D., 
the Apostle John delivers a message to the church at Ephesus. Revelation 2, starting with verse 1, write this letter to the angel of the church of Ephesus. This is the message from the one who holds the seven stars in his right hand, the one who walks among the seven gold lampstands. I know all the things you do. I see in your hard work and your patient endurance. I know you don't tolerate evil people. You've examined the claims of those who say they are apostles but are not. You have discovered they are liars. You have patiently suffered with me without quitting. But I have this complaint against you. You don't love me or each other as you did at first. Look how far you have fallen. Turn back to me and do the works you did at first. If you don't repent, I will come and remove your lampstand from its place among the churches. But this is in your favor. You hate the deeds of the Nicolaitans just as I do. Anyone who has an ear to hear must listen to the church and understand what he is saying to the churches. To everyone who is victorious, I will give fruit from the tree of life in the paradise of God. I have this one thing, this one charge to make against you, that you have left, you have abandoned the love that you had for me at first. You've deserted me, your first love. Remember then from the heights which you have fallen. Repent. Change the inner man to meet God's will and do the works you previously did when you first knew the Lord. Or I will visit you and remove your lampstands from its place unless you change your mind and repent. That removal in the Greek is kaneo. It means a, a motion, an earth-shaking removal of the lampstand, a literally discontinuing of a church fellowship because of sin. It will bring swift judgment and destruction. He's talking about apostasy. He's talking about falling away. Turn back and repent from your cold-heartedness. Remember he said that the love of many would grow cold. If he removes their lampstand, they are no longer his, and they no longer have a status as one of his fellowships, as his church And they will be treated as apostates. When that church in Ephesus was first established, the love for the Lord, the love for Messiah was so strong, the love for each other in fulfillment of Scripture. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your mind, your soul, your strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. It was strong. But then it began to struggle with false teachers and persecution, and that original love grew cold. Correction, correct theology, action, and even suffering are just an empty shell of, of a believer's life if dynamic love is absent and four generations later, they're in dan- four decades later, they're in danger. They've lost their way, they've lost their motivation, they, they don't even care for him the way they used to. See, if you don't love him, and that's my point about Marty Sampson before, if you were truly in love with the Lord, if you were born again, spirit-filled, changed, a new creation, and in love with God, your heart had been changed, this wouldn't be an issue. Now, you may be struggling, you may have doubts, you may have things that are shaking you, but walking away is not an option. But look at, look at Matthew 22, 
verses 34 through 40, the Pharisees come together, and one of the Sadducees, the lawyer, asked the Lord a question, testing him, saying, Teacher, which is the great commandment in the law? And Yeshua said to him, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your mind. This is the first and great commandment, and the second is like it. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. On these two commandments hang all the law and the prophets. Well, if you lose your love for God, you're not going to love your neighbor. And if you don't love your neighbor, you don't have the love for God. First John talks about how can you love someone you don't know that you can't see, meaning God, for someone you do know that you can see. Folks, I've seen Christians, I've seen believers that are cold, they're heartless, they have no compassion, they're quick to judgment, they're quick to a harsh word. They don't see people through the Lord's eyes, they see them through their fearful eyes. So I think most people that have a condemnation spirit, a religious spirit, are doing it out of fear. Something about those people reminds them of themselves and they fear it. Matthew 24, 11 through 14, I quoted it before, but look at the progression. Many false prophets will rise up and deceive many. And because lawlessness will abound, the love of many will grow cold. Lawlessness is sin, but he who endures to the end shall be saved. And this gospel of the kingdom will be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Somebody wrote me recently about things that will trigger the return of the Lord, and I'm thinking, I don't know what he's talking about because the only thing the Lord said would bring the end is that the gospel would be preached in all the world as a witness to all the nations, and then the end will come. Other times in Scripture, what's, the Lord is not slack in his coming. He desires everybody to be saved. So if we want the Lord to come back, let's just go out and preach the gospel and get people saved. But the church in Ephesus has fallen away. They dropped off in love. A generation earlier... The same church in Ephesians 1.15 and 16 and 6.24 were commended for their love. I, Therefore I also have heard of your faith in Adonai Yeshua, the Lord Jesus, and your love for all the saints who do not cease to give thanks for you, making mention of you in my prayers. Uh, that was 1.15 and 16.6.4. 6, Grace be with all of those who love our Lord Jesus, the Messiah, in sincerity. So, in, in one thing, they went from being commended for their love for each other and for him to being told, you, you don't love me the way you used to. You've left your first love. They were still doing it, what they were doing. But they weren't doing it with love. They were being told, change the way you think. Apostasy starts in the mind. If your heart is sound and your heart, the first computer, the main computer of the body, is sound the mind won't be able to overrule it. Too many Christians have a cold heart and a worldly mind, and they don't get it. But if you change your behavior, and that's what the Lord is telling the church in Ephesus in Revelation 2, change your behavior, repent, and I won't do this. You're not there yet, kind of like Marty Sampson. You haven't walked away yet. You're not in complete apostasy. Come back. But if you don't, I'm yanking this lampstand out of there. I'm taking the Holy Spirit out. I'm going to speak Ichabod over your fellowship, and you are dead. 
And these were people that were strong believers in the fact that they hated the actions of the Nicolaitans, which was a heretical group that was a major problem for the church at Ephesus and Pergamos. I mean, they were a sect of Gnostics who practiced and taught impure and immoral doctrines such as a community of wives, polygamy, uh, that adultery and fornication was not sinful, and that eating meat offered to idols was okay, it was lawful. They were replicating the, the doctrines of Balaam and Jezebel of Thyatira. Now, there's another place that this comes up. First and Second Thessalonians, the church in Thessalonica, 51 A.D., a community of believers. They've only been believers in Messiah for a short period of time, maybe no more than a few months. And the false teachers that Satan sent immediately embedded themselves among these new believers and began to lead them astray, some of which even forging letters, fake letters from Paul to deceive the believers in Thessalonica. Paul had to address that. Because you see, in 1 Thessalonians, he talks about the rapture of the church before the day of wrath to come. But then in 2 Thessalonians, he has to readdress that issue because false teachers were telling them, oh, the day of judgment has come and gone. There's no rapture. Folks, there are people right now. There's one big-name preacher, R.C. Sproul, who's teaching that there will be no rapture and the millennial reign has already begun. Eh, what? If this is the millennial reign, then the Bible's a lie. These teachers have been around since the beginning of the church. So Paul encouraged the Thessalonians not to worry because of a sign that he was giving them. Multiple signs, actually, but the culmination of those signs was the arrival of the Antichrist. And that would not happen until that which restrains him was removed from the earth. Let me read it to you. 2 Thessalonians 1. Now, brethren, concerning the coming of Adonai Yeshua, the Messiah, Yeshua HaMashiach, our gathering together to him, we ask you, soon not to be shaken in mind or troubled, either by spirit or by word or by letter, as if from us, that's what he's saying, a fake letter, as though the day of Messiah had already come. Let no one deceive you by any means, for that day will not come unless the falling away comes first and the man of sin is revealed, the son of perdition, who opposes and exalts himself above all that is called God, or that is worshipped so that he sits at God in the temple of God, showing himself that he is God. Do you not remember that when I was still with you, I told you these things? Now you know what is restraining that he may be revealed in his own time, for the mystery of lawlessness is already at hand, and only he, capital H, who now restrains, will do so until he is taken out of the way. And when the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume, and then the lawless one will be revealed, whom the Lord will consume with the breath of his mouth and destroy with the brightness of his coming, the coming of the lawless one according to the working of Satan with all power, signs, and lying wonders, and with all unrighteous deception among those who perish, because they did not receive the love of the truth that they might be saved. 
And for this reason, God will send them a strong delusion that they should believe the lie, that they may all be condemned who did not believe the truth but had unpleasure in unrighteousness. Don't be fooled by what they say, he's saying, for the day will not come until there is a great rebellion against God. And the man of lawlessness is revealed. The Amplified takes it a little further. Let no one deceive or beguile you in any way, for that day will not come except the apostasy comes first. Unless the predicted great falling away of those who have professed to be Christians have come, and the man of lawlessness, sin is revealed, who is the son of doom of perdition. So we have a series of events here, one of which involves apostasy. Two events precede the day of the Lord. The falling away, the falling away, the apostasia, the defection, the revolt. Same as a divorce. They have divorced themselves from God. Both in Jewish and Christian theology, a great rebellion against God will happen before the end. Remember he said, false prophets will rise up and deceive many. Who's he talking to? He's talking to the church. He's talking to the Jewish believers. We must always remember that the gospel, the book, the Bible is to the Jew first and then to the Gentile. Somewhere along the way, we have forgotten that. Paul told Timothy in 1 Timothy 4.1, what? Now the spirit, the Ruach expressly says that in the latter times some will depart from the faith, giving heed to deceiving spirits and doctrines of demons. That word, that phrase, depart from the faith, means falling away. The word depart rendered fall away, refrain, withdraw. It's a deliberate act. It's a choice that people made, a departure from the truth of God. And it's the specific apostasy, the falling away, not a falling away. People have decided to stand away from God. Wasn't that what Joshua Harris said? Wasn't that what Marty Sampson said? Isn't that what many others say who still claim to be believers, who teach a word that has nothing to do with the God of the Bible, of Iber- the God of the Bible, Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, the father of Yeshua? Apostasy is a defection from the truth. It's the, the Greeks used it as a political rebellion. So the day of the Lord is preceded by the falling away of the faith, the appearance of the man of sin. Now, can we say that the rapture is in there? Well, If he which restrains him is removed, that means the church can't be here. So the church has been snatched out. The the church has not been marked for that period of time. Definitely not the time of Jacob's trouble. So the progression begins with judgment at the house of God. Why would that start first before the snatching? Well... He's rooting out, this is my take on this, the judgment has begun, the shaking has come, because he's taking only a pure and unblemished bride. He's not taking a bride with stains and wrinkles. So there are people that are going to remove themselves from the equation. 
and then his church is going to be snatched out of harm's way, and in doing so, the man of sin will be allowed to come forward. That's what Paul was talking about here. It is the apostasy. And I think we're seeing the beginnings of that. I was talking to Shelley the other day. He was here in town. I got to visit with him. We got to talk about the tribulation period. And he agreed with me that there is going to be some tribulation we're going to endure. Not the great tribulation, but we're going to endure some hardships, persecution. That's going to shake people out. I believe that's what we're seeing. Superstar Christianity's got to go. Putting people up on stage and making examples or role models of them when they're not rooted and grounded in the faith is not only problematic, it's detrimental to the flock. See, the church in Thessalonica, in 1 Thessalonians 5 and Paul, and remember, the Bible wasn't written in chapters and scriptures. They were epistles and letters. And the difference in the terminology is a letter is meant to be private to the individual name, the epistles, to a congregation at large. I believe they're all personal, but I'm just giving you the definition of the two terms. First Thessalonians 5, verse 1, Concerning times and season, brethren, you have no need that I should write to you. For you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord so comes as a thief in the night. For when they say peace and safety, then sudden destruction comes upon them, as labor pains upon a pregnant woman, and they shall not escape. But you, brethren, are not in darkness, so that this day should overtake you as a thief. You are all sons of light and sons of the day. We are not of the night nor darkness. Let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Stop right there, verse 6. He's speaking to believers. Weak, ungrounded, worldly believers are asleep and they're not sober in their faith. Those who sleep, sleep at night, and those who get drunk are drunk at night. But let us who are of the day be sober, putting on the breastplate of faith and love, and as a helmet the hope of salvation. For God, here it is, verse 9, did not appoint us to wrath, but to obtain salvation through Adonai Yeshua HaMashiach, the Lord Jesus, the Messiah, who died for us, that whether we wake or sleep, we should live together with him. Therefore, comfort each other and edify one another just as you're doing. Times and seasons specific periods of God's eternal plan. And the reason many believe that the rapture is tied to this is because he talks about a literal 20 a little overtaking an event by which they keep their hope in in Titus 2:13 Paul calls it what the blessed hope. But here they are They're losing that hope. They're losing their hope about the coming of the Lord because of the false teachers. And now he's got to correct them. He's got to stand up to it. And he's got to give them the the prophecy pattern in which the apostasy, the falling away, must come first. 
military rebellion, a defection from the faith. Now, there are some, and and I will acknowledge this, there are some that believe that is the falling away is the rapture itself. I've heard that teaching, not from Shelley. Shelley does not agree with that, nor do I. But I figured, let me address that. Let me look it up. Out of all the commentaries I have in my Bible software, and there are 40 or 50 of them, all the major ones out there, I could not find one commentary that promoted that thought. The apostasy is a very specific falling away of the faith that precedes the rapture of the church. Because the the translation some adhere to is that it means departure as in reference to the rapture. There is no confirmation of that in the word or any in the accepted commentaries. Do I believe it's in there? Of course I do, because if the church is removed, the man of perdition, the son of sin, the man of sin, the Antichrist, will come about. But before the church gets taken, this great apostasy has begun. And think about it. There'll be nobody to stand up to him. There'll be nobody to get in his way except the 144 witnesses that are are left to evangelize what's left of the world and the Jews. He needs the church out of the way. And he needs anyone left here that believes in some deluded manner that they're a Christian or a faithful Jew to reject the God of the Bible. We are in the process of becoming weak from rebellion. We are defecting from following the word. Many, like the two I've mentioned, are falling away from their professed faith and eventually from the Lord himself. No anchor holds them in place because they've slipped the anchor. They've let it go. Now, the difference between Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson are two distinct differences. One, Joshua Harris slipped the anchor, let it go completely, not looking to come back and find it again. Marty Sampson is struggling with his decision. And there are two ways you can slip the anchor. One is to just let it go and go adrift. Others leave a buoy, leave a marker to come back to where they let it go in case they want to reattach the anchor. They're not reprobate, they are apostate, but they haven't reached the stage of reprobate, which means they're beyond redemption. Because of the influence of these people and others that have come along the way with their false teachings and have deceived many, like how can a loving God send people to hell? He doesn't. Everybody chooses their eternal destination. It's right there in the Word. You have to understand the Word. But over the last, what, five, eight years, Rob No Hell Bell and some of the others, hell was a man-made myth, never taught by the Lord. Of course it was. If you're not rooted and grounded, if you don't have a passionate love for him, then you will commit adultery. Israel did it. The church has done it. We're doing it again. 
I'm praying for Marty Sampson. I'm praying that he reaches back out to Dr. Michael Brown, maybe takes a trip to Florida or Georgia, depending upon where Brown is at the moment, and spends some time with him. And open up some Bibles, open up some apologetics, get his questions answered in the Word. They're all there. All the questions in the Word, like we talked about at the C conference, quantum physics in the Word, the supernatural in the Word. Everything we need to know is right there. You just need to look for it. Father, I'm, I'm asking you right now, begin to speak to your children. Maybe they have sons or daughters or husbands or wives or aunts or uncles, people that they care about that have fallen into this deception. Maybe some have completely walked away from the faith. Maybe some think that they're on to a new revelation from God, even though it doesn't line up with the Word. I'm praying right now that your Holy Spirit, the Spirit of Truth, would begin to open their eyes, begin to pierce the darkness in their heart, and show them the truth. Maybe an angel in their dreams or an angel in their room at night, whatever it would take, Lord, don't let the enemy have them. Don't let the enemy steal another sheep from your flock. Don't let the enemy take advantage of the worthless servants who are not shepherds who run at the first sign of trouble or just completely turn their back on a sheep that has wandered away. We stand in the gap, Lord, for them. We stand in the gap for those like Joshua Harris and Marty Sampson that have reached a place in their life where the roots have come loose, tribulation, trouble, questions, demonic deception have caused them to doubt. We stand in the gap, Lord, with the truth about your love and about the price that you paid. The truth about Satan's schemes and what he can and can't do and what he is and isn't doing. We can't blame him for everything because some of what's happening is man's failures. It's a man-made problem. A man-made church with man-made traditions. No wonder people have drifted away from them. What part of me identifies with Marty Sampson. I don't see myself as a Christian either. I see myself as a believer, as a follower of Messiah, of Yeshua. I want no part of a formal, organized, man-made religion or denomination. I want the fullness of you, the fullness of your gospel, all the gifts, all the fruit, the signs and the wonders, the Great Commission, everything that goes with it shining the light into the darkness, setting the captives free, being a lighthouse and a beacon to those that are about to crash on the rocks and destroy their lives and their eternity with you. But the one thing I do know, Lord, is you can't save someone who doesn't want to be saved. And if they've let the anchor loose, if they know they're drifting away and they have no desire to come back, I have to let them go. Of 
because once apostate becomes reprobate, there is no hope. So, Lord, we offer this up to you. This is the porch. This is our goal. This is our desire. This is SRT's mandate to go out as the sheepdogs of the great shepherd, to rescue the flock, to stand in the gap between them and the wolves, to do what needs to be done to help heal and rescue and protect, to shine the light on the enemy and their schemes to expose them. We won't drift away. We won't fall away. We won't defect. We won't let go. And we know that when we stumble and we fall and we mess up, you're there to pick us up, dust us off, and love us back in the right relationship. Lord, I cry out for your children right now. I cry out that they would have such a loving relationship with you that religion wouldn't even be the issue or desire or anything in their mind. That it's about a relationship with the living God, a relationship with his son, a relationship with his Holy Spirit that makes us complete. Not ritual, but relationship. Not religion, but relationship. I thank you for that, Lord. I thank you for it. I thank you for our relationship. I thank you for this word that we can find your answers. And I thank you for a fellowship of believers that will encourage one another and reach out and and hold each other up. I just pray, Lord, that you've answered the prayers in Yeshua's name. Amen. Go back to that psalm in the beginning, Psalm 62. Read it out loud to yourself. Take a pause. Take it in. Understand who he is. Understand that he is your rock. Understand that he is your fortress and your high tower, that you're safe. But also remember that there are those that are letting go. They're slipping the anchor. They're drifting away. Pray for them. Intercede for them. And if you can reach out and and grab a hold of them, do so. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May the Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. May the Lord lift up his countenance upon you and give you peace, give you shalom. I'm Richard Grund. This has been The Porch on Firefall Talk Radio.